Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Okay you made it into the network, Kirsten. You did. You actually made it here. And I'm happy to be speaking. I'm with honored. You. you know what? You look different than your picture that, that was sent to me. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about how old that picture was. No, I, I want to know how old the picture was. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter told me it was good enough to, I said, is this picture too old? Do I even look like that anymore? And she said, yeah, you could use that. My hair is different. Your hair looks uh, awesome, also, by the way. It looks oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It like, compliments you so well. Oh, thank you. Well, I have a t-shirt that says openly gray. <laughs> oh, I'm embracing my, my silver. That's funny. That's pretty mm -hmm. good. Well, uh, Deb, who connected me to you, Deb's just an awesome. She's connected me with so many amazing people. And this was a doozy of a story when she sent it to me. I was like, okay, this is so, this is different. And I'm mm -hmm. all about different stuff. So uh, we're going to talk about your life, which is uh, quite interesting, I would say. And this, the book is the book is Ghost Marriage. The Ghost Marriage. Ghost it's a memoir. Marriage. There's mm -hmm. a lot to think about with that title. But let's back up and talk a little bit about how we got to this point. Yeah. You know? So you want background to the book or? You. I want background into you. You want background on me. Okay. Um, I am a um, boomer woman. Um, I'm a writer. I, I do um, marketing and journalistic writing as my day job. I work for uh, UC Berkeley. And um, for the decade of my 50s, I was in a marriage that was uh, failing and becoming, I was becoming increasingly unhappy. And uh, the story I tell in the book is the failure of my marriage and then the very difficult divorce. My ex-husband was um, a civil litigator, so he, he knew how to <laughs> litigate in all yeah. kinds of ways. And um, I mean, the short version is, that sums up the book is that... Um, we had a bad divorce. He got um, properties in the divorce that my name was still on the loans for. And then soon after our divorce, he died of colon cancer. And he left me with $1.5 million in debts of his debts. And so the book tells the story of how I dealt with that, um, all of my feelings about it, how I was raising my children as a single mom, how I was trying to date again. There's sort of a sub theme of women in their fifties, um, online dating. It's kind yeah. of tragic comedy, tragic uh, comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I started hearing from him after he had died and he started yeah. sending me messages and I start. I was working with a spiritual life coach, and I saw a medium, and I did a lot of work on myself, and um, kind of the 
the premise of the story is that I, by doing this work after he died and by um, sort of embracing a larger picture of what we're here to do and what our relationships are for, I forgave him. You know, I worked my way toward forgiveness. And I honestly feel like this book is a project that we kind of worked on together that he, um, I really truly believe that even though he doesn't look very good in this book, I believe that he is behind this book um, mm. because the message is about not only forgiveness, but the bigger picture of our lives. Of oh, that's how, amazing. How we're here to learn lessons and, and our enemies are often our greatest teachers. Mm. Also, let me ask you something. So were you somebody before your husband died who would believe in people talking to you after they had died before? Yes, I already was there. All right. Um, so it wasn't a big leap for you then? No, I pretty much, and I'd done a lot of reading on it. I'd yeah. read um, Carolyn Mace's book, Sacred Contracts. Um, I'd been to mediums before, but I'm not, it's not something that informs my everyday life. Right. But because of certain experiences I'd had in the past, I already accepted that. Whereas I understand a lot of people are very resistant to that or skeptical of that idea. And I respect that, you know, I'm right. not I was going to ask you that, like did other people in your life where they're like, Kirsten, like what's going on? <laughs> like, yeah, I've had friends and other people read the book who, and certainly people who have reviewed me online who are like, I liked the book until she got to the woo-woo parts. <laughs> and then they kind of checked out. And, you know, that's, that's fine. It's not for everybody. But I can honestly say that it changed my life for the better. You know, if I hadn't had this experience, and if I hadn't believed that I could continue to work on my marriage after my ex-husband had died, you know, that's a pretty wild experience or wild idea. Um, I would still be walking around a very angry person and feeling mm. like a victim. And this whole thing enabled me to push through that and see it as a blessing. Yeah. If you can, if you can wrap your head for around. Sure. That. I, I, I can definitely wrap my head around all of this for sure. What did you, when's the first time you heard from your husband after he had passed away? What was that like? I think the first time, and I described this in the book, um, my kids were both living with me at the time. My daughter was, who at the time was about 18 or 19. She was very close to Steve, my ex-husband. And um, she was kind of in a depression. She was on the couch. She, she did not get off my couch for a couple of months. And she was watching TV and she was on all her various devices. But she was watching TV and I came downstairs and she said, what's wrong with the TV? And I said, nothing. Uh, she said, it keeps switching channels. And I said, well, you know, is the DVR set? Is it, you know, could it be this? Could it be that? And she said, no, no, no. I'm just watching this show and it's switching to this other channel. And I said, well, what channel is it switching to? And she said, oh, it's this show I used to watch with daddy. And the TV was just on its own switching to a program that she had watched with Steve, you know, regularly. So that was the first inkling for me that he was trying to communicate with us. And my experience when my father had died many years ago, 
they say that that people who have passed who are trying to communicate with you use electromagnetic energy so things like flickering light bulbs or um you know appliances acting funny and after my father had died we had this huge house and there were like 42 recessed lights in the ceiling throughout the house and within the first two weeks 14 of them blew out just like popped and went out Man. so things like that you know i i i believe that those can you know it's not just coincidence yeah and i've had a few people on my podcast who have had experiences like that or um maybe a little they've had near-death experiences and they and it's just it's so powerful mm -hmm. and i think you know for me i i'm probably more on your side where i'm like yeah i think it's possible and stuff like that and it happens um, where some people maybe think differently, but I also think it's like, it's your personal experience. And who is it for anyone to doubt your personal experience? And especially if it brings you comfort and it helps you move on for stuff. Why would you bash that? Like, yeah. you know, there's a beautiful thing in that. Yeah. Well, I think people, I think it's easy to just roll your eyes and say, you know, that's so silly, but Honestly, I think people who believe that this is the only life we get and it's over, you know, when we die, you're done, that this is your only shot. So depressing. It's, <laughs> you know, I, I feel bad for them. Really like, depressing, actually. Horrible pressure. Like I have to get it all right in this <laughs> It's a lot of pressure, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. And generally those people don't seem very happy to me in other ways. <laughs> you know, they're like, and the older they get, the less happy they are because, yeah. you know, it's, it's getting close now. So <laughs> it's getting close. This, this has really helped me. Um, you know, I don't fear death. I, I hope yeah. I have a good long life and that I get to do everything I want to do, but I don't fear death and I don't feel like it's the end. And yeah. um, that's been really, com it's been comforting. Isn't it? It's like, it's just a door, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just a door. It's like, yeah. if you think about it that way. It, there's there's a different way you live your life too when it's when it's that you know if it's just like hey lights go out you're like well just seems like you're just waiting to be dead <laughs> like, you know <laughs> oh you know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. well I, I can't know. wait until those people die and then all of a sudden they're like <laughs> what the I'm hell like, just happened here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i get more there's well, more they say that Steve Jobs' last words, did, have you heard this? No. When he was on his deathbed, he said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow, three really? times. Like he was seeing something. Yeah. And if Steve Jobs liked it, <laughs> you know it's good, right? It must be good. I mean, the uh -huh. iPhone's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. God only knows what devices they have over yeah. there. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So how did you meet your husband? And this was a later in life relationship, right? You were saying in your fifties? No, no, I was in my fifties by then. No, we married, I was 32 and he was 38. Okay. Okay. So we, we had married in the eighties. We were married for 22 years. Okay. We had two beautiful children. Um, it was a long marriage, yeah. but I would say for the, the past five to 10 years, I was really unhappy in the marriage. He, mm. you know, he became a really unhappy person. Um, we met at the wedding of a friend of mine 
in San Francisco and he was an uninvited guest. He came with another woman and he, you know, I guess they weren't seriously involved because he left with a bunch of business cards from women <laughs> and one of them was mine. And I was very skeptical. I was very distrustful of men. I'd just come back from living, spending a year living in Italy. And um, so I had a rather jaded view of mm. men, um, which is funny because my skepticism was kind of proven by my marriage. You know, like it actually was true. <laughs> it was true. <laughs> um, but fortunately, I suspended disbelief long enough to marry him. And, you know, we had a really happy marriage for 10 plus years, really happy. Mm. Um, and then he really underwent kind of a gradual personality change. What caused that, do you think? You know, Damien, I still, I still question what that was. I think yeah. part of it was perhaps a little bit of undiagnosed mental illness from oh, his family. Okay. Um, he, he definitely had some of that on his side, but also he was raised by his mother. He, his family was not, um, probably not even middle-class. They were lower income. They lived in a rural area in upstate New York. He was the only one of his four, four children who went to college. And then he went on to law school and become, became this very successful guy. Um, but his mother always treated him as the golden child over the other three children. She bent over backwards to spoil him. And I think that created a man who, I mean, I can tell you, this was a man who, when he saw something he wanted, he pursued it with a vengeance until he got it. And, but then when he got it, it was never enough. It was, you know, no matter how many trips or houses or motorcycles or whatever, it was just this kind of bottomless pit of need. And I think the flip side of that is you feel, I mean, yes, there's some narcissism there. I don't think he was clinically a, only a narcissist, but um, you feel like you, you want the best, you want it all, you, you want what you want, but then you get it and you know deep inside you don't necessarily deserve it. Mm. Like I think he was aware since being a child, that he didn't deserve to be the favored child. And so that creates kind of a hole inside you where you go through life, you know, wanting all these things and, and being the success on the outside, but inside not loving yourself. Yeah. That is my theory. Mm. And then, so you guys didn't discuss this during the time, like what you're telling me, did you guys talk about this at all? You know, not this, no, not this per se. We were in therapy for probably the last six months of our marriage. And I think it was too little too late, but I didn't find out about him being the spoiled golden child until the day of his funeral. And his first wife was there. He had been married once before and had four children from that marriage. And I sat down with her and I said, who was this guy we were married to? I don't even know who he was. 
And she started telling me this, these stories about when he was younger. And so, you know, over a period of months and even years, I've just kind of worked that around in my brain and, and thought, how did it go from that to the person that I divorced? Yeah. Did the, the other wife, did she get messages from him at all? Or did she know about this? I spoke to her at the funeral. I haven't spoken to her since. Mm. Um, so I don't know. It would have been interesting, like if, like but if I, he didn't will, contact her, but he contacts you. It, well, he could well have contacted yeah. her, or he could have tried and she didn't notice. Um, yeah, I will yeah. tell you that one of his older daughters from his first marriage, and I just learned this, she recently appeared on one of those ghost hunting shows yeah. because her house was haunted. Mm. And there were some other spirits there, but also his spirit was there. She feels very strong. And I haven't been in touch with her either. We haven't yeah. spoken. So she definitely had visitations from him. Wow. Mm -hmm. Why do you, what do you think the reason is for these visitations? Like, I think it's unfinished business. Yeah. I think it's someone on the other side who they say when you die, you see like a movie of your life mm. and you see, and you suddenly get it. All the people that you've hurt, all the mm. people that you've loved, all the things you've done right, all the things you've done wrong. You in, you know, that moment of death, you get that lesson. And I don't really understand how that works, but I've I, read that repeatedly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You get a movie of some kind. Man, my movie would be so funny. It would be like, it'd be like a party, man. I'll be like, yes, what well, a that, great time. That, that is a life well lived. Damian. I'm telling that you, is, at the end of the day, it'd be like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was some fun. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> but I think there are a lot of people who, um, you know, they just, you know, Steve and myself, when I finally went to see a medium, because I didn't go to see a medium for a couple of years, I was like, yeah. I am still not speaking to you. I am not right. ready to talk to you. You know, I'm working on this mess you left me. Mm. Um, but when I finally did, he came through immediately. Mm. And the first thing he said was, I'm sorry. But he said, I did everything you asked me to do. Like he was talking about the contract and that before we came into our lives here, we had agreed to help each other learn certain lessons. And according to him, through the medium, he said, I played my role perfectly. I, get you, I gave you everything you asked me to do. So that's really liberating if you feel like, okay, this was my plan, even though you know, I had no idea. Um, it, it prevents you from becoming a victim. It's like, yeah. okay, this is something I chose lessons I wanted to learn in this lifetime, which ultimately, hopefully will get me to some place of enlightenment or, you know, a better life next time or a worse life. I don't know. <laughs> but um, that was just really, and again, I, as I said, I had read a book about this, so it wasn't a whole new concept for me. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't, I, I, I accepted it when I heard it. 
Talk about the lesson of forgiveness. You mentioned that a little bit earlier. I think mm-hmm. it's something that most people hear about, but mm-hmm. have a very difficult time following through on. Yeah. When I, so I was still in therapy um, after he died, I guess. I was still working with the same therapist. And I said, you know, I can't, I don't feel like there would be any point in my trying for forgiveness right now. I have so much damage left over from him. And she said, that's okay. Just, um, you know, tell yourself you're working on, you're working on forgiving him. You don't have to achieve it in a day. And so that was my goal, but I, I'm kind of this a type, uh, you know, planning person. I had decided in my own mind, I was not going to forgive him until I was made whole financially until I'd gotten rid of all the debt and I could refinance my house and all of these things that, you know, it took me eight months short term to handle, but eight years to get it to roll off my credit report. I had an F on my credit report because of all this, because there were two foreclosures and two short sales. And um, so I had this very specific timeline, like I was not even going to try to forgive him until that was all fixed. And what happened was in doing this work and learning these lessons and seeing the larger picture, I very spontaneously forgave him out loud um, one day, way before I planned on it. It just came out of my mouth. I forgive you, Steve. And um, I guess my subconscious just realized that it was not going to do me any good to spend the next eight years still pissed off at this guy. You know, that it wasn't, you know, it was only hurting me. He's gone. You know, he, he's, That's he's exactly out of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it came from a very sincere place. Um, and granted, once I said the words, it wasn't over. Like I would, you know, I still had anger and I still had all of this stuff, but I realized, oh no, I am going to forgive him before my timeline, before the deadline, because it's not doing me any good. You know, I want to get on with my life. And so, yeah. How has this, how has this affected you moving on in your life? This whole experience, I mean, it's pretty powerful experience. How was your interactions with other people after this? Um, well, for one thing, when I got divorced, um, I had, we were living in the Napa Valley and I had been a full-time mom for 12 years. I had not worked professionally for 12 years. And I was in this very remote place away from the kinds of work that I do. Um, I had to, you know, crawl my way back professionally. I had to first freelance for several years and start getting a portfolio together and then gradually get more full-time work um, to the point where, you know, after a few years, I was communications director for a foundation in San Francisco, but I clawed my way back to that position. And I just decided that rather than moan about it or try to, you know, take him to court for, I got no alimony and no child support when he was alive or after. Mm. And rather than try to, you know, sue him for that, I would just put my energy into rebuilding my own career and just get on with it. 
So that's what I did. And, you know, I'm proud of that. I'm really proud of that. How did you, okay, let's, let's jump back into the, the dating thing afterwards. Oh, yeah. All right, okay. That's a tragic. <laughs> tragic comic. Yeah. Tragic. Okay. So you went through this incredible story and your partner dies, your, your ex-husband dies, and then you have this incredible after communication. Mm-hmm. But then you're on the other side of your life where like, all right, I'm going to start dating again. Mm-hmm. What, what was that even like trying to attempt that after this whole situation? Well, I started, I signed up for match before we were even divorced. I was oh, okay. like, because, you know, when I was last dating in my late twenties, there was no match. There was no, there was no internet. <laughs> you hear that everyone? No internet. <laughs> no internet. This was when dinosaurs roamed the earth. And, you know, you would meet people at a bar or at a party or yep. at a wedding as I met Steve. Um, so I just thought, oh, this is so great. You meet people online and you get to know each other and I'm a writer and this will be so much fun. And I would say within a few months, I was like, uh, this sucks. <laughs> people say they're one thing and they're another, or, or you'll have this great relationship online and then they just drop off. And, um, but, you know, like it or not, that is kind of the dating reality now for most people. Yeah, I've heard that. Old. I've heard and that. especially in a rural community, you know, there are not a lot of eligible men in St. Helena, California. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> And the ones that are, are all divorced from my friends. So, oh, okay. you know, that became kind of awkward. So, um, you know, I got jaded pretty quickly. And I think if you ask any woman over 40 about her online dating experience, I mean, I don't know any who love it. Mm. Um, I think men tend to enjoy it more than women because, <laughs> you know, they can you know, they can work it a little bit, but women who are looking for meaningful relationships, it tends to be fairly disappointing. Right. Not, not for everyone. Sure. I I know people who have succeeded at it, but, um, so I really, I really thought I was going to partner again. I, you know, I was in my mid early to mid fifties and, you know, I was fit and I was interested in things. And I just thought, I'm going to be married again, for sure. And the one long, longish term relationship that I did have, it's in the book. It's with a completely inappropriate guy, but we had great chemistry and we had great fun for a while. Um, But at no time was I ever considering, you know, a long-term partnership with him. He was just kind of he was a nice distraction while the rest of my world was falling apart. Mm. But here I am like how many years later, 12 years later. And, you know, I, I would take a break from match and then say, okay, but I'm, I'm going to go back on it. I'm going to put myself out there again. And then COVID happened and it was a relief, like, oh, good. I can, a relief. Yeah. I can take a break now. I don't have to do that anymore, you know, at least for now. And then COVID kind of went away and I realized I, I really like my life right now. And I really love living alone. And I really love not having to negotiate what 
Netflix thing we're going to watch, or I am so completely free. I am so completely free and I can travel where I want. You know, once I retire, I can move where I want. I just, I think maybe my expiration date has passed for <laughs> it's passed. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's when things happen, right? <laughs> that's what everyone tells me. Right. That's you stop caring. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it I, won't, maybe it won't. But I, I'm, that's not, that's not my hidden agenda here. It really no. isn't. I really love my solo life and I have tons of great friends and two fabulous children and I'm financially secure. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was married to Steve, we went from being very affluent to being in a world of hurt financially. Right. right. Because he, he lost his job and, um, you know, it got, and, and we had this huge, you know, we had several homes and we had huge mortgages and um, no, it was, it was not fun. And yeah. now, you know, I live a much smaller life, but I'm solvent. I pay off yeah. my credit cards every month and um, I'm just, I just feel super content right now. I love that. I love yeah. that. But you know, I'm going to use this video against you in like a year when you're with somebody <laughs> Okay. I'm gonna okay. be like email. I'm gonna email you and be like, Kirsten, remember this video? <laughs> I'm just well, like it. you said, I think when you're really happy and content in your yes. own self, that attracts that energy from right. other people. And it's but, good if you yeah. end up not meeting somebody. That's beautiful. You have a great life. I, I do. do. I really have a great life right it's now. Good too. Yeah. You know, like what a beautiful situation to be in. Yeah. And I would encourage everyone to, I think in, before you can be a really great partner, you have to have your own equilibrium and your, you have to be happy when you close your eyes at night yes. with who you are. And mm. when you have that, then you don't need that other person, but you, you might find that other person because yeah. your energy is going to attract it. You know, what's so interesting you said about that. I spend a lot of time now speaking and writing and different things about investing in yourself as a uh -huh. fitness professionals. I'm in the fitness business. Like uh -huh. when you're working with clients, you know, a lot of times, I'm, I'm sure this is in a lot of service provider professions, you know, you can have a very messy life and then you bring that into the lifestyle of someone else you're working with. And I'm like, you have to, when you close your eyes, you got to like really think, am I good with, my, with me? Have I put a lot of effort into me? So yeah. that I'm not going into and like wrecking other people's existence because mine is just a mess type of thing. Yeah. I think when you're really young, you don't think about it that much. You know? Well, I think, I mean, I speak mostly for women because they're my, they're my people yeah. they, you know, that's who I am, but I know so many really wise, lovely women in this age bracket, because we have gone through divorces and yeah. deaths and heartbreak and um, raising children, you know, that's, that's such a whole oh, other deal. <laughs> yeah. And I just, um, I just think that it's a, it, it's a great age of life because we've, mm. we've learned so much and we're open to learning so much more. What a great thing to say. I'm not sure mm -hmm. I've heard that from a lot of people mm. who are in your age range for that. Like, that's just a great perspective to have. Yeah. 
Well, like I said, most of my friends are women. I, I think this was, and I really want to be careful the way I say this, but part of my um, problem with the whole dating scene was I was not meeting men who were open to that same growth and who had worked on themselves in the same way that I had worked on myself. Um, I think a lot of men spend their careers just focused on work and yeah. getting ahead and, and the enormous pressure of supporting a family if right. that's if they're right. the sole support. You know, I know that was a huge pressure on my ex-husband. He had created this huge lifestyle for us, but he was the one who was addicted to it. You know, when mm. he would complain about the pressure of his job, I would say, give it up, you know, but don't give it up until we get rid of all these things, you yeah. know, we, we have such a high overhead, but then if you want to scale down, let's do that. And he always said, I'm not ready to give up the lifestyle. But anyway, I think men, you know, their focus is on work. I mean, a lot of men help raise their kids too. I, sure, I don't want to apply that. But then at retirement, they just want to relax. They just want right. to kick back and turn on sports. And, you know, they just feel like, okay, I can really chill out now. Whereas I think women are ready for another chapter. A mm. lot of women, not all. Right. Right. You know, it's like, what's next? Yeah. You know, is it another career? Can I travel? Can I work on myself spiritually? Yeah. I, I wish I had met more men who were on that path. That's interesting. So that was, that well was not full in the, in the dating aspect of men who were moving in a similar direction that you were, or you have been. That was my experience. That I'm was not your gonna, experience. Yeah. Of course. Don't, yeah. don't take that as a generalization. No, for, all men, for sure. That's not. certainly no. my experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, everything's your experience. I mean, how I see things, how you see things, mm-hmm. you know, there's some commonalities and things. Sure. Uh, but that's why I think like, if you're having a story like this and your ex-husband speaks to you, after he has passed away, it's your story. It should be celebrated because it means something to you and how yeah. you went through forgiveness and how all the lessons you learned. That's a great thing. No matter what you believe, somebody getting better, you should always champion that. Always. Absolutely. I think that is, is so true. And that's what the book helped me. Writing the book helped me to do is it made me tell the story for others yeah. But in doing so, I was telling, I was crafting the story for myself and it helped me figure out so many things, you know, about what had happened. When did you come to the determination to write the book? Okay. That's a funny story. Um, so as I was going through this, you know, people would say, you know, oh, hi, how are you? And I'd be like, well, my husband just left me $1.5 million in debt. So not great. You know, it's like, I kind of would spill it out. That was my therapy. And every single person would say, oh my God, you have to write a book about that. And I would say, no, thank you. (laughs) You know, I just lived it. And I have no interest, none in reliving it. But, um, I was working with this spiritual life coach who was a little psychic himself. And he kept saying, I see you writing a book. 
um, about your experiences? And I'd be like, no, no, no. And he'd say, I'm sorry, that's what I'm seeing. And then when I went to the um, medium, actually, this was the first time, it's before any of this really happened to me, my late father came through and she said, he's holding up the book, Eat, Pray, Love. And he's saying, you need to write a book about like this one. And he, Eat, Pray, Love hadn't even been out when he died. Mm. But what that's what the medium was seeing was my dad holding the book, Eat, Pray, Love. And he said, you need to write a book about this one, uh, like this one. And so finally, when it was like, oh my God, even my late father is telling me to write this book. I finally said, fine, I will write this book. Yeah. But it was not fun. It was not <laughs> a fun book to write. Getting better is not always a fun adventure, you know? Yeah. I tell you what, though, afterlife, you can advance copies of stuff. That could be good. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, yeah. I get that early. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's often messy, the work of improving, you know, mm -hmm. of just, I think we want it to be smooth, but progress is not linear for sure. You don't learn from smooth. You learn from bumpy. Well said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think like, you know, it's words like resilience, determination, like, mm -hmm hardiness you don't get those from good times you know you don't, you don't, exactly you don't get that and from that when my when steve came through uh in the reading and he said you know and the psychic was saying he's talking about the lessons that you two are meant to learn together and i said okay tell me what was the lesson here for me why did i go through all this what was you know from your standpoint what was the lesson I was supposed to learn? And he said, perseverance and to be a good mother to your children. Mm. And I said, do you think I was a good mother to our children? And he said, absolutely. I'm so proud of what you've done. That was so huge for me, Damien, because mm. in the final you know, unpleasant years, he was verbally abusive. And mm. one of the things he frequently told me was what a terrible mother I was. Mm. I think because he knew that was one of the most hurtful things. It would he could hurt say. you. Yeah. And so I really needed to know if, if I was still carrying the weight of that judgment. And when he's, when he said, no, you're a great mom that just took this huge weight off of me. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what an incredible story. <laughs> I mean, what, and you seem like just such a lovely person, Kirsten, seriously. I am a lovely person. <laughs> no, right. I mean, as soon as you came on before we even started, Kirsten was funny too. She was funny. <laughs> like, I love funny people who have worked on themselves are witty and mm. uh, have just gone through a journey and come out on the other side. Very grateful. You seem like a very grateful person. Very totally grateful. I think we're all learning how important gratitude is. It's yeah. just, you know, it's, it's really one of the most essential emotions, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful. We had this conversation. I, really... <laughs> I am too. This yeah. is fun. It's just supposed to, it should be fun. It should be like my whole life. I just, you know, obviously there's lessons I learned and difficult times have I had, but one big lesson is have a good time because yeah. you just don't know, you know, I, there's a lot of mystery to what happens, whatever happens. But man, I know right now, if I have a good time and I enjoy the people I'm with, I want to have that as a great memory. 
And uh, that's why I said, if it, hey, that picture of me would be pretty funny. A lot of funny <laughs> stuff happening, a lot of hanging out, a lot of great conversations. Yeah. You know, just I've done everything I wanted to do in my life, literally. And wow. I'm 44. I've done everything I wanted to do. Wow. So well, everything else is gravy for me. All of yeah. it is just a bonus for me. So good for you. Yeah. Good for you. It doesn't mean that I haven't experienced hard times. I've had plenty of hard times, but I've always pursued the things I wanted to do uh -huh. without any apology. And I've always had the best times I wanted to have. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, a life well lived. Yeah. And now I get to speak to people like yourself. That's just icing on the cake. It's mm -hmm. just more good times for me. Yeah. So thank you for sharing your wonderful story. Thank you. And yeah. And just for being an awesome, you, you have such an energy about you that I really is like, it's very, uh, it's attractive. It's very attractive. Oh, thank you so much. Seriously. Yeah. 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 Well, I think you, you invite that. Certainly you have thank great you. energy too. And I think it just, it's infectious for sure. And I'm going to tell you the, when you, when you listen to this and you, and you see the episode in the picture of Kirsten, that doesn't look like her, just so you know. <laughs> Do That's, you want me to send you a new headshot? I think we need a new picture because I, I was expecting a different person. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what that means. I'll send you a new It's headshot. not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's just that, you know what it is, everybody listening? The hair looks so different. Mm -hmm. The hair looks so different. You'll see when it comes out if we keep the same picture. I'll send you a, a headshot that was just taken like a yeah. couple months ago. It, my hair is still longer than that, but it yeah. definitely looks more like me. Oh, it looked good. This is not a bad, this is not a bad thing that I'm saying. It looked good. But mm -hmm. uh, like, it, you know, sometimes people send me the pictures for their podcast and I'm like, okay, is this you? Like, it's like, well, also I'm on zoom and it's kind of making my hair a funny shape. So no, don't... but it looks good. I'm telling you, like, it's like, <laughs> You look very sophisticated to me, but oh. fun. Like okay, that's a hell of a combination. Do you like the hair better now or in the picture? Now. I like really? it now. Yeah. I think huh. it just, it like, you look like a very sophisticated, fun person. Like those two things don't always mix, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell Deborah to send you a new headshot okay. so that it looks more like me today. Yeah. I mean, you just look fantastic. Seriously. You look happy. Uh, you just have an amazing story and I've enjoyed my time immensely with you. So I have too. Thank you so much for this great conversation. Of course. So tell everyone how they can connect with your book and you do the, do the spiel, you know, the book, the ghost marriage It's on Amazon and all online booksellers. My website is kirstenmickelwaite.com. Um, I'm on social, Facebook, Instagram. Um, it's hard to miss me. And, you know, there aren't too many Kirsten Micklewaites out there. So that's true. If you find it, it's, it's <laughs> probably me. <laughs> it's probably her. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, uh, we'll get this out. And uh, thank you so much for your time, Kirsten. Thank you, Damien. It was a pleasure.